everybody to all the veterans out there thank you for your service this is the street smart mental health podcast we are coming to you from the lou fuse automotive group studio my name is michael wellington and the man across the table from me is my tag team partner many of you know him as the natty king his name is brandon mcnamee what is up my man how are things great man awesome it's nice weather today i think i'm gonna barbecue later yeah what are you gonna make uh, pork ribs, like usual. Ooh, I might oh, yeah. be over there. Come on with it. We got a really cool guest today. We've got my good friend Patrick Madigan. He is a parent of a child with autism, and autism is admittedly something that I don't know a ton about, and Brandon doesn't know a ton about, and we're going to learn quite a bit today from Pat and just learn what it's like to raise a child with autism and what kind of things he's doing and experiencing as a parent. So Pat, thanks for being here. Well, how are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me here, guys. I appreciate it. Anytime I can give some education or talk about the autism spectrum, I'd love to do it. So my wife and I have, she's very active and she couldn't be here today. She works with Echo Autism in Columbia, Missouri, where they help doctors across the world help get early diagnosis for children. And I'm actively involved in the Thompson Center in Columbia, Missouri, and they're mission. So I'm on their foundation board to help out. Tell us a little bit about that mission of the Thompson Center. So between the Thompson Center and Echo Autism, everything comes down to an early diagnosis. And in order to get that diagnosis, and forgive me, I'll be all over the board. No, no, you're good. When your son, and we'll start from the beginning, or daughter, my son was, he's our first kid. So it was really difficult. We're sitting here super excited My wife and I, newly married, we have a child one year after we're married, and we have a little boy, and oh my God, was it hard. We were thinking, we'll have five kids, you know, I come from seven, she comes from two, we're like, we'll go right in the middle. This was your first? This is our first, Patrick was our first, and I mean, holy Jesus, was it hard. And we're like, probably a year and a half in, we're like, this is ridiculously hard, man. And then my parents and her parents... They're like, something ain't right. And when I say hard, I mean the temper tantrums, the communication, the not looking at you. All those traditional autism symbols were there. And ironically, the hilarious part is when you're first becoming a parent, you're super nervous and all this other stuff. And we're like, we're going to avoid autism. Okay. So we used recyclable diapers, we used glass bottles. We took plastic out of everything. We didn't use a microwave. We heated the bottles. We heated the formula. And we have a son. Did everything that they say you're supposed to do. Yeah. To avoid. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I'm not going to get in the vaccination debate, but we did get our son vaccinated and 100% believe in it. But you do everything because we had a doctor at the time who was from the Philippines and she's like, we don't have autism. So it was like, oh, really? So you're, you're really on this. The big thing was plastic, the BPA and you look at all baby bottles and everything says BPA free. So you try to do everything that you can to avoid it. What is BPA? I don't even know. That's that shit you see on the, yeah, it's, it's, it's on really every, bad. It's on a lot shit. of stuff. I okay. see it all the time. So, so we do all that. And then finally we call the Thompson center 
Well, our doctor, luckily our doctor, we changed doctors because our doctor just kept telling us he's a boy being a boy. And how old was he when you called? When you well, knew? So he was two. So you can say. tell that early. You can tell something ain't right. Well, we couldn't because he's our first kid. You don't know. Yeah. yeah. You don't know shit. Well, that's what I was curious about. Yeah. Is there an age parents, of diagnosis? or? Well, no. So they keep making it younger. And I'll get to that. But like, we didn't know. We just assumed this shit's really difficult. Being okay. a parent's hard. You're yeah. like, fuck, okay, okay. now I know. Well, Being we ain't having five. You know, yeah. that's all we just kept saying. <laughs> yeah. And then we have Thomas, middle son. And we're like, holy shit, this is totally different. So how old was, uh, your? what's your first one's so name? So Patrick, Patrick was born in June of 2008. Thomas was born in July of 2010. Okay, so there So yeah. it is right at that two-year mark. Sure. And you're like, the baby experience was different. He's want to cuddle. He want to be held. Patrick uh-huh. never wanted to be held. He slept. Patrick quit taking naps at, for all your parents out there, think about this, at nine months. Quit taking naps? Yeah. You put him in his room wow. and he just go apeshit crazy. How about sleeping through the night? Once he was asleep, he's out. Oh, gotcha. Okay. But you got to get him to bed. Right. And yeah. that's a very difficult process. So we were just like, God, this is fairly tiring. And, so, and then Thomas comes along. And I mean, super chill, super easy. We're like, we could have had 50 Thomases. Right. Okay? Like, so then it starts progressing. 2008, we realized there's something. We changed doctors. Dr. Theobald is our new doctor who studied under a doctor named Dr. Soul, who is still Patrick's doctor to this day. And Dr. Soul is a big doctor in autism in Columbia, Missouri. And she's running Echo Autism now. And she was at the Thompson Center at the time. And Dr. Theobald's like, listen, I think your son's on the autism spectrum. And we're like, what? Oh. Yeah, you know, she's like, something ain't there. I'd like to send him to the Thompson Center. But it takes like six months to get into the Thompson Center, which okay. is something on the foundation board that we're trying to alleviate. But it also shows you how big of an issue it is. And we're in Lake of the Ozarks at the time. So we're living at the lake. We're like, yeah, we'll drive to Columbia. Put us on a cancellation list. Get us anywhere you need us to go. And as his behavior started getting more difficult and more difficult, this is all kind of intertwined. We go and see the Thompson Center. Is we, the Thompson no, t- Center? 2008. I come to Columbia. I start my job in Columbia at the end of 2010. And we knew he was on the spectrum. Well, so that was what I was going to ask. Did you move to Columbia so you could be closer to the Thompson Center? Are you, that was definitely part, part of the it. decision? Yeah. So we didn't want to live at the lake anymore. And we decided... We needed to be somewhere in a bigger city, especially if we're going to need some services and some help. I worked for this bank at the time and they said, would you like to go back to St. Louis? And I came up here and I'm like, nah, not feeling it. I don't want to. We actually were headed to Nashville or Columbus. Both have pretty big spots for autism. It was halfway between both families in case we needed help. And then my organization asked if I'd go to Columbia. We're like, well, the Thompson Center's there. And we went there and I wouldn't have, I'm a financial planner and I wouldn't have to start over totally. So we decided to go to Columbia and give it a shot. Mm-hmm. And we are still there to this day. So we get to Columbia and he turns three in June and he finally starts talking, you know, and it's like, oh, great. You know, he had like a three word vocabulary and then he starts talking. And how old was he at this point? Three, but there was very few words. So my dad has this nickname. He, he gave him a nickname and he didn't know it at the time. He was baby. And my dad goes by repo and we're just sitting there trying to figure out why in the world would he call him repo? <laughs> well, my dad used to do the row, row, row your boat. And he really enjoyed that movement. So he was okay. like repo, repo. 
Rainbow, row, row. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. That's what it was. Like, is that something that autistic people respond to as movement? Yes. He never stops moving to this. Is day. that right? Okay. I didn't know yeah. that. See, I've been so, like, educated. And he had a, um, Kelly and I laugh about it. He had this jumperoo where you put your kid in and yeah, he can jump uh, around. Right in the middle of the doorway. Oh, well, no, this was actually like had a table around and all oh, kinds yeah, of yeah, stuff. Yeah. I mean, hours. You're like, really? <laughs> hours. <laughs> and the only place he really slept well was his car seat. So his car seat. We would actually bring into his room even better than the bed. Yeah. Oh God, no. The bed is too wow. Freedom. It was the you would bring the car seat into his bedroom. Oh yeah, he'd wow. sleep in the car seat through okay. the night. All right. And uh, you know, looking back at that and fast forwarding, it's like a weighted blanket. Right. You know, right. You're, you're in there tight. It's security. It's safety. It's everything. Because part of the autism and the spectrum is massive, but it's the lack of communication. They don't know how to communicate their feelings to you. So therefore you have the outburst. You frustrated. Have. Man. Yeah. They're, like, I mean, think about it. Yeah. You imagine know? you're like starving and have no idea how to tell people you're hungry. Like, <laughs> well in, you know, on the spectrum and I've heard this story at the Thompson center when you're hearing the success stories and also sad stories, but a lot of children on the spectrum are nonverbal. So <sighs> they have very little way to communicate. And Patrick is what some people would say high on the spectrum. Well, this poor kid was hurting himself and others and nobody could figure it out. And they have him at the center and they had doing these things come to find out toothache. Oh kid, man. Kid needed root canal. Oh. Stopped hurting himself. Stopped hurting. No know, idea how to tell anybody. But Imagine the frustration. Yeah, that, wow. That frustration. So, and that's what makes autism and their symbols, the puzzle piece and everything about it is every single kid is different. It's not like this type of cancer. This is how you're going to treat it. It's not like this cystic fibrosis, here's what you're going to go do. Right. Patrick is completely different than his friend, Alan, who's on the spectrum. Completely different sets of problems, completely different sets of medicine. It's wild. So is Patrick on medicine? Yeah. Does that, that help? You know, medicine, when they tell you, we well, got to put your kid on medicine. Right. And my wife's a nurse. My mom's a nurse. Her, my, I mean, we have nurses throughout both sides of the family. We believe in medicine, but it's terrifying. And I mean, my son's on, he takes four to five pills a day. And you second guess it every single time he takes one. Mike and I have had this conversation multiple times. Even still. Yeah. And he has Dr. Souls, his primary doctor. And then Dr. Hall at the Thompson Center is his drug doctor. And we discuss the medications that he takes on a regular basis. He takes Vivance. He's been on Prozac since he was five, maybe earlier. And we tried to switch it to Zoloft and different stuff at times. And that was a disaster. Every once in a while, he takes Boost Perone. And he takes melatonin to sleep at night periodically. And then there is another one that I'm forgetting off the top of my head. He's 15 now? 14. 14. 14, a freshman in high school. How many drugs would you say that you experimented with with him that didn't work? Oh, uh, countless. Right. So when you, when you first get started, and then you have, also have to think about the body's changing. So Patrick at three, opposed to Patrick, his nickname's Little P, is now taller than me, and he calls me Little Man, which Michael thoroughly. <laughs> doesn't take much. No, it taller doesn't. Than you, it doesn't. So, <laughs> he, uh, so first, you know, they always start you on Ritalin, and that made him weepy. Then really? They put, him, put him on Adderall, made him very angry. 
and then they put them on Adderall extended release. It was a little bit better, but still the agitation was there. And this is all the stimulant side of things. Okay. And then they put them on 10 X made him a zombie. What's that? 10 X is blood pressure. And then they, we settled on Vyvanse and he's been on Vyvanse for a number of years. That one's expensive, isn't it? Oh my God. I have ADHD and I was prescribed Adderall and I didn't like it at all. It made, I understand, I understand the anger part Yeah, because it made me kind of like just fucking moody. Yeah. And then put me on Vyvanse and it was like $12. Yeah. 350 a month. Yeah. 350 bucks. They're like, we don't have a generic. And I'm like, what the fuck? So apparently you can go through the Vyvanse website. I don't know. Well, we're learning that now. We just changed insurance when I changed companies and yeah, 350. Insane. Yeah. Like a car payment just to feel fucking normal. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just one of them. Right. 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 You know, so it's, (laughs) yeah. So we, we tried all those. (laughs) Prozac has been the main, because back up, autism usually comes with something else. Okay. You never just have autism. You could have Tourette's, you could have bipolar, you could have schizophrenia. Patrick has depression, ADHD, and super anxiety. It seems like when you have depression, anxiety, or any of those, anxiety, ADHD, depression, any of those three, they kind of all... If you have one, you have all of them. Yes, they cascade too, and then just kind of meld into one. And, you know, it's going back to the medicine. You constantly think if he's having a bad time, do we change the medicine? You know, Mm -hmm. and that's why we go every three months to talk about what's going on. Because he's had, we'll call them episodes, we'll call them good highs and lows, peaks and valleys throughout his time. We started at a Catholic grade school after the first year, they're like, you got to go. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They didn't watch it? Uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> oh shit. Yeah. Well, you got to go. And they, I mean, do you want to talk about a horrible meeting? They, they bring you to Columbia public schools. They got the Catholic school teachers there. They got to Columbia and they tell you everything that's wrong with your kid and why he needs to be at the public school. So it's basically, and it's just uh, like just a bashing session. Yeah. On your child. And it's just awful. now just out of curiosity, why is the public school, more fit to handle a kid with autism. Your teachers have a little bit more experience, but also the Catholic schools and private schools without the funding do not have that area. So then we get involved in the Columbia public school system, which has what's called an IEP, which is individual education plan. When your child meets the criteria and autism meets the criteria. So then we customize an education plan for him throughout his entire schooling period, which is Patrick always got to take walks. He gets to leave before the fire alarm goes off. They tell him when so they're doing do, a drill. Yeah. So he doesn't have to hear it. Cause it really goes wild in middle school. He was bullied quite badly. So he would get to go to the bathroom early. He would get to leave class early so he could get to his other class. So there wasn't the hallway experiences. That's a shame. And the education plan also then gets into how do you teach Patrick? If he likes your subject, game time. So like he was in expedited super math throughout grade school. Gets to middle school. Eh, don't care. Math's boring. So now they got to lower him back down in math class. And we just got his report card. It was absolutely atrocious freshman year in high school, first semester. Two D's and an F and like two C's. And he got like a D in algebra. And I'm like, you're a math wizard. Yeah. So he's either all the way in, interested and fucking nails it or not yep, interested at all care. and just bombs it. Yeah. And right now, his focus is on video games and technology. And Mike and I were having this conversation before because that's where he feels comfortable. So we always, the doctors always 
and I had a boss who always taught me this too. You got to make yourself feel uncomfortable. So we would make them go do things. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then when you're younger, when you're eight, nine, 10, it's easy to make a kid. Now 14 taller than me, making them do something. <laughs> yeah. And he's a teenage boy. It's, it's difficult. Would you see differences in his behavior on days that you knew he had exercised or been outside or been working, you know, exerting his effort with his body? The traditional shit they tell you to do like yeah. for mental health. Like. Yes. And, and there is. And the hard part is the routine. So everything we do has to be with a super heads up. Here's what we're doing. Full on detailed explanation. Like two days in advance months. or a week, months in advance. Months. Okay. We're already talking about summer vacation. Oh, like it's January. This is where we're going. This is when we're going to do it. We went to D.C. for Thanksgiving. We started telling them in September when we made the plan. We're like, you're going to miss school. Here's the days that we're going to go. You're not going to be on your phone. You're going to be participating. You're going to be doing this. But because everybody has an opinion and they're like, well, you should just make them do more things at home. Okay. Then you tell Thomas and Kevin that we're not going to take them to basketball practice or we're not going to take them to soccer practice or we're not going to go watch his game because we got to go home and make sure he's doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. Life gets in the way and you have to give him some responsibility. You have two other kids, right? Yes. So we have three boys, Patrick, Thomas, and Kevin. Patrick's 14, Thomas is 12, and Kevin's nine. So you're trying to juggle all of that while also giving him his freedom, responsibility to go do something. How does he do with his siblings? Depends on the day. Really? And depends on what he wants to do with them. If they want to do what he's doing, he's fine. How do they do with him? Well, it's been a lot of therapy. Yeah. It really had a hard time on Thomas. So when your older brother wants nothing to do with you on a Thomas regular basis. Yeah. But he's your role model. He's your guy. Sure. You know, you're two, he's four. And the four-year-old's losing his mind. I mean, he's not, as Charles Barkley would say, I'm not a role model. Patrick wasn't. Patrick loved him. Cared for him, would be there for him, but Thomas couldn't figure out why his brother wouldn't play with him, which hurts Thomas's confidence, which hurts Thomas's the way that he looks at himself. Then we have Kevin. Thomas and Kevin are thick as thieves. So it's like great that they're right there for each other. And as they've gotten older, they understand their brother is different. So you mentioned the cell phone, video games, technology. Would you say all of that stuff is more of a helper with Patrick or is it a hindrance? It's a mixture of both. Okay. Okay. It's extraordinarily difficult for my son to make friends. It's just, why do you think that is? I'm just, that's it's very just curious. Terrifying. It's the anxiety. He probably okay. doesn't. Is it that he doesn't want to make friends? He wants to make friends. He, he wants to have friends. He just doesn't even know how to start that conversation. Got it. Unless you're different like he is. And we would put him in friend groups. We do Easter seals. So going back to, the reason you want to go to the Thompson Center, you want your autism diagnosis because you leave and they say your kid is autistic. Fucking great. Now what? Literally, you walk out. There's no pill. There's no cure. There's nothing. You're just like, well, shit. Yeah, dude. So then we find out you go to Easter Seals, you go to Boone County Family Resources, you go to your local area and you're like, what services can we get? 
Can we get speech therapy? Can we get occupational therapy? In a miraculous world, can you get ABA therapy, which is applied behavioral analysis, which you can't get unless you have a gazillion goddamn dollars. So you try to then put him in groups. And that's even harder on the autism spectrum because you could have a cystic fibrosis group or a cancer group and they all got the same thing. You put an autism group together, two of them may not talk. One may be depressed. One may have Tourette's. One may have this. They are all over the spectrum. So then they're going to start picking up each other's habits. Some might be good. Some might be bad. Is that right? If you put people that have autism around each well, other, and that do they was mimic? The, that it? was the, the public school's theory was we keep Patrick in class as much as possible. He's not going to be in the special ed classes. He's not going to be there. He's verbal. He's smart. He just has an attention problem, amongst other things. and. So he spent 80 to 90% of his time in a, and hoping that it would mimic. And it did, I think, a lot throughout grade school. Middle school was a little different. They give you a little bit more freedom. High school has been a disaster. So it's having that freedom in high school. Awful lot less structure. Or not structure, discipline maybe. Yeah, so it's like in middle school, it was always interesting because middle school, you start having to change classes. So you have to start going to do that. And he went to a steam school, science, technology, agriculture, math, loved it, loved every ounce of it. He was the zookeeper. He was in ag. They gave him some freedom to walk around. He was, it was in a very, very rough neighborhood and he was bullied. And he finally said to the teachers, let me talk to him. And he sat down in a room and talked it out with him and everybody left him alone. And then they moved him after that, and then COVID happened, which was an absolute disaster because that isolation was just horrendous. I fought to get him back into school, and I got him into school to their dismay. <laughs> but I did. He went, to the ca- he went to the cafeteria every day and Zoomed from the ca- school cafeteria because he's so literal. He looks at me and he goes, I go, hey, man, you got to do your work on your iPad. He goes, no, I don't. So what do you mean? <laughs> he goes, school, school, home's home. I'm at home. No school. I'm like, well, school got canceled because of the pandemic. No, nope, not doing it. I'm <laughs> like, gotta be, yeah. I'm like, Shit. and what do you say? It's like, yeah. yes, you are home, but you still have to do school. No, I don't. And it's like, oh my God, stop this. You know, like a normal kid would just say, okay, I'll get on my iPad. Nope, not doing it. And I mean, just full out. I'm not going to do it. If you don't mind me switching gears just for a second. Yeah. How do you stay patient? How do you, you stay don't. tolerant? And, <laughs> right. So how has this affected your mental health over the past 15 years almost? It's been harder than most people can imagine. And on the spectrum, Ellie and I have it pretty good. So it has definitely affected Ellie and I. We have our peaks and valleys. It's extraordinarily difficult when your friend group and Patrick's friends that he went to Catholic grade school with and public school with are going on dates and they're going on dances and they're doing things. And your son could give a shit if you ever left the house. Right. So your mental side of things, it changes as he changes. You know, you're sad that he's not playing sports. You're sad that he's not doing this. You're sad that he's never been to a sleepover. His brother, Kevin had two last weekend. Right. And these are things that you do start to think about. But what Ellie and I have come back to, we both have a therapist. I've been on Zoloft for seven years. And our therapist both helped tremendously is 
what we want for him is not what he wants. And we have to understand. Yeah, that's good. You know, I was the sports guy. Ellie was a sports guy, girl. And we, you know, I have this vision. (laughs) That ain't his vision. And he could give a shit about my vision. And you got to come to terms with that. And you come to terms with that. And you've got to understand it. But I do know deep down, he would like to have friends. But in his world, it's friends on his terms. And those friends now, as much as I don't want them to be, are online friends because they all share the same thing and they all get on and they all play their game and they do it together. And he's laughing and he's talking to them. We had a terribly scary experience this September when he started high school, Rockbridge high school. We did not want him to go there. We had no other choice. I got in a fight with the Columbia public school system. I did not want him to go there because it's enormous and it's chaos. And Classes are an hour and 50 minutes long. Really? Almost two hours long? You have four classes a day. In high school? Yes. It's called the block theory. What's going on here? It's awful. It's been a long time since I was in high school. And I'm like, I can't sit still for 30, 40 minutes, much less a kid on the autism spectrum. And I'm like, how's this going to work? Oh, it's fine. He's got his IEP and all this other stuff. No, no, Mm. it wasn't. He just cocooned himself. And then buried himself inside the technology. And it led to him trying to hurt himself, whether it was verbal or whether it was thought out. A couple of years ago, he had something that he said he was feeling uncomfortable with himself. And we got him talking to somebody. We don't goof around with that, especially with all the medicine that he takes. And this one, one night I just said, I'm going to get on his phone. And I got into his phone and it was nothing good. It was all these chat rooms and he was telling people, I don't know if it was for attention that he was going to hurt himself, but he had a plan and he had something in his room. And then I searched his room and it was to the point of where we call our doctor and say, what do we do? Yeah, it's intense. And she said, you have to, which we did not know. There's a adolescent psychiatric unit at the university of Missouri, second floor, probably the worst kept secret in Columbia. And it's full every single night. And you pray that they'll take him. Right. And they take him for one night and you get to see your kid for 30 minutes a day and he has nothing. Okay. And and within the first day, they're like, you need to bring him home. And we're like, we can't. Because when I confronted him on it, complete chaos in the house. To the point of where we had to move the boys over to friend's house. It was just, it was a violent, violent outburst where Ellie and I were nervous and the boys couldn't be around him. And so we go and they're like, well, we're not set up for autistic kids. I'm like, well, guess what? Either's yeah. my house right now. So <laughs> it's not safe for him to come home. And my mom had some experience. She worked at Edgewood treatment center and she's like, you want to bring him home, but you can't, you need to keep him there. They, if he's a harm to himself, you can make him keep him for five days. And we did. And we made him keep him for five days. And every single day he would cry and he would call us and he's like, take me home, take me home. I'm not going to hurt myself. I'm not going to do this. And in fact, what I think it was, high school was so overwhelming, so hard. So new. So new, new routine. Mm-hmm. He buried himself in the technology. The technology got so overwhelming. He got so far behind in school. Us looking back, do I think he was going to hurt himself? I'm more inclined to believe that he wasn't but I wasn't willing to take that chance. 
But I think that whole overwhelming change just led him down a deep, dark path of the internet. So then five days of no technology. And I mean, he told some stories. He's like, I need to get out of here. Some guy flipped over a table, but I did save a guy's life. He just says, like, excuse me? He goes, (laughs) yeah, I did. He was going to hurt himself. And I talked him out of it, all this other stuff. And then I told the doctors and then they found how he was going to hurt himself inside the psych ward and all this other stuff. It's two kids' lives that he saved. Um, so his awareness was there and we're like, listen, buddy, that path you were going down is not a good path. You know, so then we have to create all these different ways. Ellie and I have, it's just not your normal life where we have to have a guard on the internet and I have the ability to shut off anything in my house at any point in time. But then like an addict, he's looking for it. Okay, he's trying to find it. He'll be up in the middle of the night going to look around, going to do whatever he needs to do. We've covered a lot of information here. Let's take a quick break and come back in just a minute. We've been here for over 70 years, giving back to community charities, local organizations, and youth athletics. And now we're the official automotive sponsor of St. Louis City SC. We've been here, providing the best car buying experience to our customers. Lou Fuse, we are here with the respect you deserve for 70 years and counting. Welcome back to the Street Smart Mental Health Podcast. We're going to get right back to it. So you talked a little bit before we came in the studio about the technology, and you've touched on it a little bit here. Tell us a little bit about the effect of the technology on him over time. Does he need to have it? When they took the technology away from him when he was in the hospital, was that good or bad in your mind for him? Well, in his mind, it was atrocious. Well, of course, I I I kind of figured that he had full on DTs. I mean, it's it's DTs detox. He's fully addicted. Okay, and that's his security blanket. That's his way of feeling. How you and I, some people may look to go have a cocktail with friends or a happy hour or watch a TV show. His is technology. That's his warm fuzzy blanket. And when you say that, do you mean is it like? Video games? Is it Facebook? Is it Twitter? No, is it's it... not social media. It's mainly video games and chat rooms because once again he wants friends. Okay. You know? Right. So, so the chat rooms give him that. Yeah, and I and I, you know, there's so many people who will say so many bad things. I actually went into his chat rooms and when he was saying these things, there was nobody saying you should hurt yourself. There was everyone was saying you need to go talk to your parents. I think that program, if you want to talk about something positive, I think Everyone bringing that up in those chat rooms and all the where you hear the horror stories. There's a lot of positive stories because of the messaging that's gone out there and because of suicide and because of all these terrible things that could happen that the majority of the kids on there are like, dude, go talk to your parents. That's good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you're going to be fine. We've all been there. You go through these dark places. It's like it's like a therapy getting support somehow from the chat chat rooms. rooms. Wow. Yeah. And he was very concerned about his online friends because he didn't want to lose his online friends. And, you know, we struck deals. Everything's deal making. I always said, he's like Johnny Cochran. I mean, (laughs) I'll probably end up being some type of lawyer. I don't know. Scaling back just a minute. You said he had DTs like, yeah, from, he was legit shaking. Yes. Because of technology. 
we told him in advance, if you get an F on your report card, you lose your phone at school. Because we yeah. know you're on, and I've put the safeguards on your phone. I mean, trust me, I am a wizard when it comes to yeah. this shit. And <laughs> he still finds ways around it. So we're like, you're going to lose it. Like you're going to have to take it from him. Oh, we yeah, do. Right. And we lock it in a box. Literally. No shit. Yeah. And I'm like, you're going to lose your phone. Okay. So there's no if, answer, buts about it. We get his report card, two Fs and two Ds. Oh, fuck. So I'm like, today was his first day without his phone. He threw up in the bathroom. Teacher so, so he's having an actual physical reaction to. Teacher's wow. like, I want to let you know Patrick threw up in the bathroom. He says he's fine. I said, it's because he doesn't have his phone. That's no shit. That's huh? incredible. He's having a legitimate. Like, because now he's to going us. to have to talk to someone if he wants to have communication. So he's having anxiety. It's an anxiety attack is what it is. When and as a parent, that's got to be fucking hard. Well, it but is because you know then you start fast forwarding. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do? Right. Where does this lead us? I've ha tried to have this conversation. You know, when you're 23 and not living here, or if you are, I mean, you can't just sit here on your computer all day. Mm -hmm. Well, so that's what I was going to ask you. So even though I, I think it's awful to hear that he had that physical reaction with the vomiting, is there a part of you and Ellie that says, you know what? I do want him to be away from his phone for a little bit. And so if, if that's the case at school, this is not a terrible thing, even though you no, don't want to have a kid throwing thing. up. No, it's, it's not a terrible thing. No. And we have, we will do anything in our power that's going to better him, even yeah. though it may not feel good for him. Short term. Yes. And deep down, Patrick will be fine, I think. I think he'll end up finding something. He doesn't care about things. He doesn't care about what normal people care about. So if he can find his passion, so here's a funny one. He said, because he's really, really funny at times. Well, it's in your family a bit. Yeah, I know it is. And so he says, I said to him, pandemic hits. He used to do yoga, okay? Yoga was his outlet. At that age? Yes, we started him young. Because wow. we were like, he's like, I don't like sports. Baseball, he would leave the outfield in the middle of the game and go <laughs> oh, to the concession the, stand. and Get a hot dog. To, <laughs> yeah, he talked to the lady. I love and, it. Yeah, I mean, I he's, he can be extraordinarily, he's really comfortable with adults opposed to people his own age. He does not like anyone his own age. But adults, is, he'll walk in the concession stand get a free snow cone. I'll talk to him. They're like, shouldn't you be playing? He's like, nah, I'm in the outfield. Nobody hits it. There. <laughs> um, and then like he figured out if he hit it down the third baseline, no one could throw it that far. So he could walk to first. I mean, he's a wizard. And then like soccer, he's like, Oh, my knees are just killing me. Dad. This is just exhausting. I can't do this. And so pandemic comes around. I'm like, yoga's canceled. Well, you got to do something. I said, come back to me in a day. And tell me what you want to go do. And we'll go do it. He comes back and goes, I want to learn how to scuba dive. I love fish. And I'm like, like, oh, shit. Okay. I'm like, shit. Where are we going to do this? The Missouri River? Right. Hey, I'm, we're in Columbia, Missouri. So I Google scuba diving in Columbia, Missouri. And what you know, Captain Nemo does it. And you get certified in the Oakland pool. Perfect. So we are full-fledged scuba divers. That's awesome, and he dude. Did it. That's cool. That is cool. Yeah. And he did it. And he did it on his own. And we went down to Bull Shoals. And stayed at this cabin. And for two days, we went scuba diving. I lost him oh. on a free dive, me and Dwayne. The, what do you mean you lost him? What does so that mean? So we get down there. Mulchols <laughs> is supposed to be like this wonderful place to go scuba diving. 30 feet visibility, one of the better places in Missouri to go. 
well, there it was a wicked storm and we have two feet of visibility. I couldn't see you. Okay. I couldn't see you. <laughs> and I look at Dwayne, I'm like, I can't lose my kid. My wife will kill me. I mean, Ellie will absolutely murder me. I won't be allowed home. You have to stay with him. It's like, we got it. We got it. So we go down 20 feet and we're doing all our things. The first day goes off flawlessly. The second day we have to go for our free scuba where us two and Dwayne go off just scuba diving at 20 feet without seeing anything because you can't see anything. Right. We're about four minutes into the dive and I, Patrick's literally right next to me and I'm trying to hold on to him, but I'm not allowed to in order for him to pass. And Dwayne's above us. And I mean, instantaneously he's gone. And I look at Dwayne, he looks at me and the rules are when you scuba dive and you lose your dive buddy is you do a 360. And if you don't see him, you both go to the top. Okay. At any point in time, okay. if you don't see your dive buddy, you do a 360, then you slowly go to the top. Oh, <laughs> Dwayne and I get to the top. No little pee. Oh, dude. Oh boy. How'd that fucking feel? Oh my God. No, it's awful. And you're imagine. just sitting there inflated your heart and you're thinking of all these in, but you got to remember he's got oxygen. So you're like, okay, still, but though. then if he panics, it's not going to end well. Okay. So we're looking <laughs> for bubbles and I look at Dwayne and I'm like, Dwayne, this cannot be happening. We cannot lose my autistic son in Bull Shoals Lake. 20 feet underwater. 20 feet underwater. Four and a half minutes later, he pops up. That must That's have a long like, time. Like a, yeah. That must have been like a week. Yes. And it was about, I don't know, 750 yards, maybe a thousand <laughs> yards away. And he starts screaming, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I saw a catfish. <laughs> and I followed it. And I'm like... He was a thousand yards away? Oh, yeah. He was out so, of the... Coast. So dude was cruising. Yeah, he was just swimming with the catfish. I don't know why this question keeps jumping in my head, but he's uh, less than two years away. What happens when he turns 16? Does he say, Dad, I want a car, I want to drive? Does he allow to drive? Like, How does that work? Yeah, he can drive. Okay, I don't know how... You know, and I think he'd be he's a really big when it comes to anything but school rule follower. Like, so really not too worried about it. Though. Yeah, he will be in. I mean, he'll be distracted with his phone, so we just won't let him have it. But I mean, he's he's a big time rule follower. Like, no, this is what we got to do. Yeah. Like I said to him the other day, it's high school and they call it independence with responsibility. It's completely asinine. And I'm like, I'm here early, just coming out. He goes, I can't, I can't leave until this specific time. I'm like, <laughs> wow, really? They didn't even know you were here today. <laughs> I'm like, so you need to, you, you need to come out. And he's nope, nope. Can't leave until they tell me to. I don't want to get in trouble. I'm like, well, what if I tell you you're going to get in trouble when you get two F's and two D's? Nah, you know, who needs English? I like this kid more and more. I, I hear know about you him. do. And I figured you would appreciate that. Um, what would you say or what, what kind of advice would you give to parents out there who maybe have a younger autistic kid or, and who knows, maybe even an older autistic kid, just from your experiences, like, you know, Brandon talked about, you know, being patient. Yeah. And, I mean, what, what kind of things can you pass to the people listening to this that want to learn about, Hey, my autistic kid's only seven years old. What can I expect? What can I do to make it better for everybody? My advice is don't be afraid to try anything. Okay. It's not going away. Yeah. And it's not going to get better by ignoring it. Yep. There's all too many people who don't want the label. Oh. And I don't want my kid labeled. 
And I'm here to tell you, you want your kid labeled so you can get the services because you don't know what service it is that's going to help your son or daughter. And it could be horse riding. It could be painting. It could be a peer group. It could be anything. But if you just keep living in that denial, you and your kid are fucked. Yeah. And it's, you have that responsibility, I think, as a parent. You know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, you got to take medicine. You can try whatever you want to try. But therapies work. You know, we have Patrick and, and we spent a lot of money because insurance doesn't cover shit. So speech therapies, occupational therapies, all kinds of things. A therapist, he had one at the age of six, just sitting down and talking to somebody that is a smarter than us when it comes to this, but also not us. Right. Yeah. And that's vitally important. And I think you just got to hear them out. Like everything we do. Here's a perfect example. We plan trips around him. So we were going to go one spring break. Everybody goes on these awesome spring breaks, which is hilarious because we never did it as a kid, but it must be a Facebook thing or something. It's one spring break. And in Columbia, the whole goddamn city shuts down. So you don't even have to work. It's like every adult <laughs> has spring break or something. I'm like, this is so foreign to me. So we're like, well, what do we do? And, you know, some people are like, we're going to the beach. We're going here. We're going there. I'm like, well, we don't really have any money. <laughs> and so we went to Indianapolis because they had the number one child's museum in the country. And it's within five hours. So we can be home in case it's a shit show. Is that his pick or yours? Kind of ours with his help. His blessing. Yeah. So we got three kids. And Head to Indy. Headed to Indy. We, I mean, and for those, Clark with, for, for those with kids, it's an awesome child's museum. But Patrick hated it. Really? Oh, we walked in, lost him. Gone. He's like, I'm out of here. Too no loud. Shit. Sensory. Just, yeah. we finally find him. And the other two boys are loving it. I mean, they got dinosaurs. Oh, that's got to be tough. Dude. Fishes and all of a sudden, you know, Patrick, we found him up in the fish area because he likes fish and water. And he's like, I'll stay here. So you guys can go with the others. But one of us had to stay with them. Obviously he was like 10 years old, nine years old. But then we found the zoo. The zoo was outside, not as noisy. And he's got a great zoo, by the way. And we did the zoo. And then we came home a day early because the other planes weren't going to work out either. But that was a way for him to get out. It was a different way for him to go do things. One thing that he thoroughly enjoyed, we had no idea. Two years ago, my wife's from Philadelphia and I'm like, the kids are old enough now. We've got to start teaching them history. You're in the, I mean, Philadelphia's history. It's where we were made and created and born as a country. And so we go to Gettysburg and it's an auto tour. Loved it. He thoroughly loved it. Did a ghost tour at night. I think we could go back and spend two days. He loved DC. We went there for Thanksgiving this year. He sat there in the Holocaust Museum of all places and taught my younger two sons about the German invasion and about Hitler and how what he did and how he got there and then what he did wrong, which ended up being his demise. So like there is a lot of intelligence there. It's yeah. just whether he wants to share it with school. You, you know, it's, it's super <laughs> interesting. You know, when you said to the parents out there, be willing to try anything. Right. Yeah. And I have to say that's been what I've learned with my bipolar situation, whether it was my own situation or working with other people that have bipolar, you have to be willing to try anything, whether it's a different medication or a different exercise or a different activity. Yeah. You just and have to be willing to do that to find what works. Who would have thought 
Right. I'd be I scuba diving and bullshit. Yeah, I would have you know, known you as long as I've known you. I thought that, that I mean, was funny I, to there picture was, that. I would have done anything for my son, and he said scuba diving, and I'm like, oh, my God, You're no like, way. Yeah, I mean, like, please. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe snorkeling, you know. I mean, I don't want to be underwater at 20. I mean, it's oh, horrifying for no. me. Yeah. But I will tell you why he liked it. If you've never yeah. scuba dived, it's yoga underwater. You cannot do anything fast. Everything has to be a super slow motion, which then goes back to the yoga, which then goes back to me that he's so amped up. He likes that calmness. It's probably like the same as a weighted blanket in a way. The water. Exactly. You, your scuba diving experience will be absolutely miserable if you're fast. Okay. It's like, which was good for me too, because I like, I am constantly. Well, and he likes fish too. Yeah. So yeah, it's a perfect. It'd be really good if we could have saw some. He saw a catfish. <laughs> he saw one. He saw a catfish. I didn't see any. <laughs> what, what is it about, you, you mentioned this earlier, but the movement thing. He's, he's attracted to movement, and then he I said he doesn't, he doesn't sit still? Okay. Yeah, it's anxiety. That's just part of the condition? Yeah. Okay. And he's always been that way. He doesn't want to sit. So at school, in high school now, he, he got marked absent one day because he sat on the floor. Like, hit, hidden. You know, we're like, Oh, no. so he was there. He was there. Just we had to email the teacher. <laughs> You're like, no, he's job. He was there, just in the back, <laughs> sitting on the floor. Right. So that, like, one of his new semester resolutions is to sit in his chair more. I'm like, all right. What can people do to? And I guess, here's, I, I want to sure. follow it up with this. Of course, we have not taken technology away from him. He gets his phone when he gets home. He gets two hours on his computer. We had a very long conversation after his stint in university hospital with two or three different doctors. Technology is not going anywhere. So we have to learn how to live with it. So it's not like a drug. It's not like something else that you can just cut off and never have again. He's going to need it for the rest of his life. So we're like putting in governors. You get two hours and I shut your computer down. It's you just have to find that way. And it's not pleasant. It's not fun. And then on weekends, he might get three. And then if there's a reward or if there's something else. I have a a 12-year-old daughter, and she's not on the spectrum. And just limiting her cell phone use is a fucking nightmare. I can't even imagine what it's like for you. I got to give you props, man. I got to give you props. Oh, it doesn't work all the time. Trust me. We are not great at it. Being consistent with that's got to be almost damn near impossible. It is impossible because there's times that we're not. Because you want to go live your life. I mean, I still want to go on a date with my wife. Yeah. We still want to go out with our friends. Yeah. And he's responsible enough to watch the other two. So we can go out for a couple hours and leave all three of them at home. And they'll be perfectly fine and perfectly safe. Because he's a rule follower, right? You know, you've got to do this. Or I'm going to call mom and dad. And... You've just got to find those small successes, but also going back to what do you do and what advice the parents need to talk to someone that's not each other. I don't know any disability has to be terribly stressful. I don't know what it's like to have other disabilities, but I know what it's like to have a child on the spectrum and it takes a toll on a marriage. I was going to ask what I was about to ask you next. And it's very, very difficult. And there comes a lot of compromises. There comes a lot of, you can't be afraid to go talk to someone and and quite frankly, just vent. And there's times you do feel sorry for yourself and you do feel those types of things. And you have to find a way to get an outlet that's not harmful to yourself. 
touch a little bit on the Thompson Center and how helpful it's been and also some of the work that you've done at the Thompson Center? So people ask me to describe the Thompson Center all the time, and you want it to be the cure, and it's not going to be the cure. But what it can be is a resource. And that resource can be huge. You know, they can't fix everything. There are certain specialties they're really good at, whether it's severe cases of autism. And getting you that diagnosis, and they've gotten a lot better at then directing you where to go. When my sister, who is a famous comedian, and her friend, Lewis, they came, they helped raise money for the center. We've done two shows in Columbia because it is, it has the potential to become what's called a center of excellence. And there's only like 12 or 13 throughout the whole United States. And it should be a jewel in Mizzou's eye. Mizzou had a lot of bad things going on a number of years ago. There was a lot of bad press. Enrollment was down. But the Thompson Center's always been there. And we really wanted to bring that to light. It has the potential to be absolutely massive for the betterment of Central Missouri and Missouri. And where all of these families who are getting this fresh diagnosis can get there. You know, my wife working with echo autism, what that boils down to is this, take us in, in Lake of the Ozarks at the time. If we didn't run into Dr. Theobald, we'd probably still be struggling. So Dr. Soul has taken this upon herself to branch this out to multiple rural communities is how it started, where a doctor can call in to someone with an autism specialty and say, this is the kid I'm dealing with. And they're like, boom, that's wow. it. And there's, you get that early diagnosis. And when you get that early diagnosis, that can set the foundation for a better life for that, possibly a better life for that child. Patrick got an early diagnosis. Ellie and I were extremely active and spent every dollar we had on whatever therapy we could give him. And some of it was easier to get than others. And Thompson Center can't necessarily give it to you. They could. And when there was times when he had a Valerie was his, she was an undergrad or a graduate student, you know, she's like, I need a child to work on school things. So here, take them. Yeah. Like anything that might help him. We did, you know, we just said Thompson Center, if there's anything that you have, we'll do it. Okay. Just let us know and we'll get them there. We'll find a way to get them there. My wife basically stopped being a nurse because we were running kid everywhere for everything. So having all of those programs and anything, because Kansas City's got a good spot. St. Louis has some good services as far as I know. But all of that is coming back to that diagnosis for the kids. And that spectrum is so large from the most severe cases to those who, you know, how many times have we heard, oh, I didn't even know your kid was autistic. Okay, come home and don't give him medicine for five days. Don't tell me that shit. Yeah, <laughs> I'll show you autism. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's, you know, we were often told he's not autistic enough for services. So what? That, yeah. And that's, you want to talk about frustrating. That's ridiculous. Yeah. That was a big one is, well, he can do this, this, and this. It's almost like my dad was a lawyer and can you get disability? Well, you can still do this, this, and this. You know, well, he's, he's pretty high functioning. Well, he's high functioning, quote unquote, high functioning, whatever shit that means, because that's where he falls on the spectrum. 
he has a diagnosis of autism. He also has one of ADHD. He also has one of anxiety and depression. So it's, you, you could see it in full throttle if you wanted to. It's not supposed to be a sympathy party for us. And I don't ever want it to be that way because no, no, we, we have a, a lot of fun. You know, there's, it's just like life. There's peaks and valleys and everybody's got their own thing going on. That's probably where the biggest realization is where we try to be nicer to others. Cause you never know what's going on in their family. Oh shit. That's a um, great point. And mm-hmm. it's, and the mental awareness that it takes, everyone is always focused on Patrick. Well, you know, it affected Thomas still affects Thomas to this day. Yeah. Still sees a therapist. It affects Kevin. You know, Kevin's now at nine getting to understand it more and more and more. They also have said to us that we'll take care of him when he's older. That's a lot of heavy burden for a 12-year-old and a nine-year-old to already be thinking about. That's very true. That's So it's something that affects the entire nucleus, and we have a very good supporting staff around us. Ellie's parents, my parents, si- siblings, people want to help. They probably want to help more, but there's not a whole lot they can do. You know, it's like, yeah, we send him off to um, both parents and he gets his time away because he needs time away from us. And I always think that's a good time. You know, it's like he goes and sees my parents and he'll go and see Joe and Lois. And it's extraordinarily helpful for them. For them, they get to have that alone time. And he's, we always said Patrick would be a great single child. (laughs) (laughs) Well, too late for that. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Can't do nothing about that. Yeah. But he loves his brothers. He just loves them in a completely different way than what's the norm. It sounds like they love him too. Yeah. And it sounds like he got some good kids there, man. It really does. Yeah. It sounds fun. like you and your wife are doing a great job too. Sometimes. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> but the patience, it's admirable. The, uh, you know, the determination that, that you have, it's admirable. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes as our good friend Ryan Shudio always says, your inner crazy has got to come out every once in a while. Yeah. And, and, and you've got to literally, there has to be. And we, we got really bad at this for a while where there was no discipline because, you know, you go through as parents. So if you do have a kid on the spectrum and it's, it's new to you, there'll be times you'll ignore it because you just don't really want to deal with it. So that I was going to ask that before, and I'm glad you kind of reminded me. What about when you're in a discipline situation? Is this like a situation where you get right in his face? Are you yelling? Are you spanking? Like, how does that work? Is that, is that counterproductive? Yeah. Uh, And now it's totally counterproductive. And there's times that, well, you don't know how you don't know what's going to like, does he respond better in your opinion when you yell or when you're more teaching quiet? It doesn't matter. Oh really? Yeah. He says he's yelling because we yell. He's so wickedly smart and clever that it becomes really infuriating. (laughs) okay like to the point of where and especially where you just gotta leave yeah you're like i'm out because this isn't gonna end well yeah babe you take over but sometimes she can't take over and then we just leave it he has become here's a huge positive 14 years old now he will absolutely lose his shit and he had one the other night when we were talking about taking the phone away. What does that mean? Yelling and screaming? Yeah. And it's okay. loud and it's okay. pointing and he might get in your face and he'll come back. It might, it used to last all night long. Then it might, this was more of 30 minutes. He's gotten to the point now. He'll come back and like, I'm sorry. 
Oh, that's that's. And it's like okay, huge. Now he may go do it again in twenty minutes, you know. But it's like it's recognizing, yeah. And it's a lot of it is because Ellie and I have learned to not react, ah. but it's really hard not to react because your reaction is you've been doing this for fourteen years and you're goddamn tired of it. Does he? Yeah, does he kind of want you to react oh, in a yeah. big way? He does. He wants that. Yeah, because then he can get in the argument. Okay, I'm you learning know? a lot here. Yeah, and I mean he. This is not a nice thing. He can be manipulative. So he does know how to and, manipulate. And how to get it. And yes, absolutely. And sometimes he may lie, you know, in order to get his way and win. I didn't realize that a person with autism would have that awareness. You know what I mean? To, to be don't. able to manipulate others. Some okay. don't. Some do. I mean, his autism, the best way I've ever described it is, his brain is a popcorn popper that never stops popping. Oh, geez. Wow. So it's constantly overflowing. Sounds exhausting. Yes. It's exactly what it is. That's a great word. He's exhausted. And that's why when he sleeps, gone. Yeah. There's times he wake, wake up Turned off. in the afternoon. Yeah. Because he is just thoroughly. And if he's anxious about something, like his phone being taken away, and I go downstairs at 2.30 in the morning like I did today, and he's downstairs rummaging through a drawer trying to find a phone so he can sneak it to school tomorrow. It's not about having it then. It's about what is he going to do tomorrow? So it's yeah. just, it, it's just that popcorn popper. And that's where the medicine is supposed to help slow it down. The stimulant will help focus. So it's still going to pop, but instead of being rapid pop, it's going to be just periodic. And then the Prozac is supposed to chill it out a little. And then the boost Perone is supposed to be anxiety. It doesn't really work. And then we've got since, the episode in September, we have a new pill that we can introduce that will calm him. Goodness, man. Yeah. So it's like that popcorn popper. If you can get it tamed and you said it, is it exercise? Is it? We don't know. Does and, it like and, and here's the other thing. It changes. So like, just like his passions have changed. So I'll just give you three quick ones. So we take him to the zoo, him and Thomas. He was still young. Okay. He was like, I don't know, six. We go to the zoo. He sees a clock, that big clock tower in the center of the zoo. Never left. Just focused on Dialed in. And if we tried to leave, temper tantrum, throwing himself all over the thing, we had to sit there and watch the clock for two and a half hours. Next year, the train. And it was trains for like three years. So then we get all in the trains. We take them on train rides. We did Santa Claus with the train. At the zoo, we had to go on the train first. Otherwise, it was over. Then it became sea life. So then he's in the sea life. He's really in the sea life. You mentioned the catfish, yes. Yeah, well, blobfish, you know? So he's, they, at his uh, middle school, they had the blob squad. What would you say his relationship is with music? None. Okay. None. No interest there, huh? I think it's there. I just think he hasn't found it. Well, just so you know, and you probably already know this, but one of the biggest fighters against depression is music therapy. Yeah. And so I just didn't know, because... I'm with him on that whole, when, when an alarm goes off or something loud goes off, like I get really unnerved Tense. Yeah. by something loud, if it, especially if it's going on for a long time. So I, I, Absolutely. I don't know if that's my bipolar, if that's just me, separate from the bipolar, but music was always something that has helped me with depression. And I just didn't know what a person with autism, how their relationship some, with music for some is. some kids, it's huge. Well, it also, it might be detrimental as well. I don't know. I'm just no, curious from your well, point of view. So this house we just bought had a piano in it. And we found him trying to play the piano periodically. And we're like, hey, piano lists, let's go. 
You know, like, it's not like we don't dry. He's like, nah, I'm good. And it's like, you know, we could hire a piano person to come over and he might try it. He may not. Like, I keep asking him, you want to go scuba diving? Yeah, maybe. And I think then if we go do it, he'll do it. But he'll also be thinking about when am I going to have technology time? That's his Uber focus now. Okay. But it was clocks, trains, sea life. Now it's technology. That's his passion and his love right yeah, now. Yeah. And then you're hoping at the time it's 21 or 22, if it's a, a passion to make an electric car, if it's a passion to build a rocket that takes you into space, is it a passion to do a computer program or invent a video game? I said, hey, you like this? Let's get on the e-gaming team. And yeah. he's like, nah, I'm all right. I'm like, why? Yeah, it's right up your alley. Yeah. Yeah. But you know why? people there okay you know and i'm like you don't even really have to talk to him so we will just constantly keep trying man oh man this has been just yeah. spectacular um learning this kind of information i know i learned a ton here today absolutely me um, too um you know thank you so much for coming in my pleasure you know? Yeah, really, man. Thanks for making the trip. Thank you for sharing everything that you've learned yeah. and what you're experiencing with us. It's been incredible. I mean, I don't know. I don't have any experience with what we've gone over. And just to, to hear about it, man, you, I, I, I applaud you and your wife well, and, your, and your, your whole family. Autism awareness is a very, very important thing. You I absolutely know, agree. We say as much as we have struggled and as much as we have had success, we're lucky. There's a lot of kids out there. And there's not a lot of resources for families. If you have a nonverbal, violent son who's bigger than you, what do you do? What the hell are you supposed to do? It's horrifying. And we have friends and acquaintances who are in that situation. And it's like, what do you do? And no one knows. Okay. Like I brought it up with the Thompson Center in the last board meeting. I'm like, this isn't real fun to say, but my son just spent five days in a psychiatric unit. And they try to get them out every day because it's not built for kids with autism. And we're trying to build a new center in Columbia, Missouri. And I'm like, there should be a safe spot. I don't know how we keep it 24 hours monitored, but these kids aren't going away. You know, and if there's a safe spot for them to go to, that's if they say the university adolescent unit isn't that safe for kids on the spectrum. Patrick was able to adapt, played a lot of Monopoly, but you got to keep thinking like where for these nonverbal kids, instead of cutting their disability, instead of cutting their access to things, this isn't going away people and there's no cure. So yeah, it's, this is going to be a part of our society forever, forever. Right. And it's, you know, and I hear all the naysayers, well, they're just giving everyone the diagnosis. Oh, bullshit. We all had that kid in grade school who was the bad kid. Kid's probably on the autism spectrum. We just didn't know what it was. Just called him bad, wrote the yeah. fucker off, and said that and was that. Yeah, it was something introduced in our society. Yeah, I got my theories, okay? Everybody's got their theories where two or three people on Ellie Street all have kids with autism, okay? How does that happen? No matter how it got here, it's here, right. and it ain't going away because we're, the diagnosis is only getting better and we're actually becoming seeing it more often. And it's not just boys anymore because the number of girls actually starts creeping up as a percentage where it's damn near 50, 50. Holy shit. So, wow. yeah. And I will, the, the past to COVID, whatever you want to say, did bring a lot of money to the States and local governments. And it's good. 
because there is going to be some money for some of these processes and things that are needed for people for long-term. It's mental health, whether it's bipolar, whether it's Tourette's, whether it's schizophrenia, it's here. And it's going to be here to stay. And you just can't abandon those people. When was the last time you heard of a mental hospital actually being built? When was the last time you heard of a home for people with these types of disabilities to go to? You don't hear about that shit ever. Because they're being closed. Because nobody wants to think about it. And it's an easy thing to cut because they're crazy people and let them go sleep on the street. Exactly. That's horseshit. That's a human being. Some want to be helped. Some don't. But they shouldn't, because it's an easy thing to cut, shouldn't be just thrown off. Discarded and fucking left for dead, basically. See ya. Yeah. Yeah. It's an important part. And everyone, it's it's easy to ignore. And it's it's like, move along. I'm going to go back to my soccer game. Right, right. Yeah, it's funny. And when it gets ignored, that's when the problems get exacerbated. Yeah. Know? And that's why, that's and why we wanted to have it? you in, man, to talk about this kind of stuff. Yeah. And then how do you fix it? Because now yeah. it's becoming this huge problem. Before it was an issue. Now it's just snowballing. And the longer you ignore it, mm-hmm. it's like not going to happen. Very well said. Yeah, man. Again, thank you so yeah. much for coming in. We will certainly check back in with you. And um, that's Patrick Madigan, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, we will see you next time on Street Smart. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. Thank you.